His vesture was like white snow. He's pure and holy is this God. His hair was, the hair of his head was pure wool, was like pure wool. He is pure and holy, this God, this ancient of days. And he describes the character of this God, who, God who, who takes the throne. Now look at what he says about his throne. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. Now in prophetic literature, fire was the symbol of judgment. So this God assumes the throne holy and pure, and it is a throne of judgment. The Ancient of Days takes his seat, and in prophetic literature, this throne is a throne of judgment. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Apocryphal literature, symbols and images and pictures, collage. Thousands upon thousands were attending Him, angels that are attending this holy God. And myriads upon myriads were standing before Him. The court sat and the books were opened. Now, what a picture. Here's the little horn, you know, out of this fourth kingdom, and He's over there boasting and, and mocking and blaspheming, and the God of gods and the King of kings takes His throne throne of judgment opens the book. I mean, the record is there. And, and it doesn't matter what, all the, you know, what is being said behind him, he's oblivious to that, is the great God on the throne. I love it. Then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body was destroyed and given to, the burnt, to burning fire so that this fourth beast is consumed in the judgment of God. And as for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time. Now, I kept looking in the night visions. The intervention now of the Son of God takes, takes place. I kept looking in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. Now, I've, I've mentioned this many times before, and I, I want to say it again, and I know that you need to hear it again to really get it down. When you see the term in the, in the New Testament, Jesus refers to himself more than any other way he refers to himself as the son of man. Now normally we're tempted to think that what he means by that is that he is human, that he's referring to his humanity. He's not referring to his humanity at all. He's referring to his deity. Because the term Son of Man in Old Testament prophetic literature is a reference to the deity and the sovereignty and the dominion of, of the Lord. And so here's this Son of Man. It's referring to the deity of Christ. God has given him the throne, see. One like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was prevented before, prevented before, presented before him. And to him, now look at this, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples 
nations, men of every language might serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Now, now we'll pause right here to say you know, that you can, you can come at, at the book of Daniel and you can see this from a premillennial dispensational viewpoint. You can see it from an amillennial viewpoint. But the message is abundantly clear that God has given to Jesus Christ His Son a kingdom which has dominion, will never be destroyed. And he presents to his sovereign son the kingdom that will never be destroyed, that will never fail, that will never be lost. Question some have is, does this refer to the messianic kingdom? Does it refer to the premillennial kingdom? Does it refer to the kingdom that God gave Jesus when he appeared on earth and John said, behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Well, that's for you to decide. But whatever is involved here, he sets up the kingdom and gives it to Jesus, a kingdom which is above all kingdoms, dominion, authority, and power. Okay? We're together there, right? Y'all still out there? Can't, can't tell. All right, now, so let's go to verse 16, the interpretation. That's what, we're looking, that's what we're looking for. Now, Daniel says, I want an exact meaning of this, and, and so do we. <laughs> The problem is that when he gives Daniel the meaning of the vision, there's still questions and, and problems with it, as always. Look at verse 16. I approached one of those who were standing by and began asking him the exact meaning of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Now, get you a little half sheet. Got it ready? Half sheet. These great beasts, these great beasts, which are four in number, are four kings who will arise from the earth. But the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. Now, who are the saints of the highest one? Who are they? Who are they? Anybody want to answer that? All right. Those set apart to God. Word saints means those set apart to Him. Now, there are some who interpret this to, to, to refer to the Jews. I believe it refers to those who are set apart to God, who are believers. He says, the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. Then I desired, look at this, to know the meaning of the fourth beast, the exact meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron, its claws of bronze, and, on, and which devoured, crushed, and trampled down the remainder with its feet. And the meaning of the ten horns which were on its head. And the other horn which came up. Remember him, don't you? The little horn. And, and before which three of them fell. When that little horn grew, three of the other horns were taken up from the roots. You remember that, right? You, you hadn't forgotten that already. All right? He wanted to know what that was about. Namely, that horn which had eyes and a mouth uttering great boast and which was larger in appearance than its associates grew, 
immediately had great growth. I kept looking. Now watch this. I kept looking, and that horn, what horn? That little one that grew. That horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. That horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering him. Now, in prophetic, in, in, in prophetic uh, literature, in biblical prophecy, that little horn is a national figure. All right? Just put, file that away. A national figure that rages, wages war with the saints. He speaks, so his, his activity involves what he says. All right? I kept looking. Horn was waging war with the saints, overpowering them, until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the Highest One, and the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Now he did this until the kingdom was given to the saints at the end of time. Thus he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth. Right? Now you can put in down here that fourth kingdom. Now, now let, let's go back. Let me just give you a little bit of a... Um, in digression, all right? The, the lion is Babylon, so just move out across from Babylon to the air it says lion. The leopard, the, the bear that stood on four legs and, and was lopsided, one was higher than the other, refers to the Middle Persian Empire because it was an empire of two nations, but one nation was stronger than the other. The Persians were much stronger than the Medes, and so some suggest that's why that bear was tilted, is because one of the nations was stronger than the other. It was, it was greater than the other. The, bear, the, bra, the, um, the leopard with wings is a reference to Greece. Now, it is, it is true that when Alexander took the nations. When Alexander conquered the world, he did it with the swiftness of the Allied forces taking Iraq. It is amazing to read the story of Alexander's conquest of the world. He did it with a rapidity that is, in, is unparalleled in world conquering. And, and you remember that it says that that, that that leopard had four heads. When Alexander died, he gave his kingdom under the responsibility of four leaders. Historically true. So the leopard is Greece. Now the fourth beast is a reference to Rome. That fourth beast is a reference to Rome. Now we ready to look at here. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings will arise and another and others and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. Now when you see kings or kingdoms, it's, you know, uh, words president, prime minister, um, uh, dictators, all are interchangeable with that. So you've got ten kingdoms arising out of the fourth kingdom, and then 
this other king, this other world national figure arises. Now, if you read Late Great Planet Earth, Late Great Planet Earth is having some problems surviving now and all that's happened, but in Late Great Planet Earth, Hal Lindsey refers to these ten kingdoms as the uh, uh, economic, uh, what is it called? What was that, huh? Yeah, common market, common market. Got some problems with that today, of course, but things do change. All right, ten kingdoms arise out of that. Ten kings, ten kingdoms, and then another king is that little horn that grows. Now, this little horn that grows speaks against, wages war against, speaks against uh, the saints. Look at him. He will speak out against the Most High. Wear down the saints of the highest one, and he will intend to make alteration in times and in law. There he makes a tremendous impact, change in the system as we have known the systems. Now, Lou Paul in his book on Daniel says that it's a reference to the fact that he, he. He makes times, refers to festivals, and law refers to the Jewish law, and that he's speaking against the, the Jews, against Israel, really. And they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time, an indefinite period of time, or if you want it literally, three and a half years. But the court will sit for judgment, and his dominion will be taken away annihilated and destroyed forever. Now, if you are holding to biblical prophecy, you see this person as the Antichrist. The one world, great world dictator that the New Testament seems to refer to in the book of Thessalonians, for example, 1 Thessalonians, a world dictator who speaks against God and the saints of God, and he himself will be destroyed by the kingdom that is of the highest one. And all the dominions will serve and obey Him. Now, let me see if I can just kind of put it all together. Four kingdoms, Babylon, Middle Persian kingdoms, Greece, and Rome. From Rome, the, 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 the Nations that are spinoff of Roman influence, we'd call those the Western nations or the European nations, ten toes on the feet of iron and clay. But in this vision, it's a little different. He saw ten horns coming up out of this beast, ten kingdoms, but one arising out of this same beast, the Western influence, but one who is the world figure, the Antichrist. And all of these kingdoms, as well as the Antichrist, are destroyed by the highest one, and his kingdom is given forever and ever. That's biblical prophecy in a collage. Now there are two lessons to learn historically and two lessons personally. I want you to get this, and this is probably what we're at most about.
Now, in the evolution of my um, theology, I've gone from one to the other. I, you know, I grew up in a, with a premillennial influence and went to seminary and uh, listened to our millennial professors and come out of the seminary and and uh, so I'm in my understanding of Scripture. I I I know that there are strengths and weaknesses in both in all in either of those persuasions and there are um, problems that you have you know to reconcile and. And, and, and difficulties with all of them. But I do see two things historically that I can't deny. Number one is, since the first three kings are as God said, so must be the fourth. Now I want you to know that when Daniel gave this prophecy, it was prior to the fall of Babylon. It was prior to the fall, even the rise and fall of Medo-Persian Empire and Greece. And he hit it right on the nail. Hundreds of years before that. And he sees this fourth kingdom, fourth beast, and that which arises out of it, the kingdoms that arise out of it, kings or world leaders, whatever you want to call them. And if the first three are correct, it might be pretty strong evidence that the fourth will be. All right, second. Since the nations were established by God, and dwell under His sovereign control, His plan for the nations is sovereign. I just finished reading The the Rise of Babylon. I finished reading this book, The Rise of Babylon, on the day Babylon fell, as a matter of fact, because Babylon is modern-day Iraq. Now, it, it doesn't matter what nation or what king sets himself up, you can mark it down, God's way is going to turn out the way God plans it. I mean, He establishes nations and they dwell under His sovereign control. The only way that a nation exists is because God permits it. So His plan for the nation is sovereign. You better get on God's side, in other words, if you're going to win. It seems to me that 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 might be a good lesson. You can build up armaments and get an army and, and, and call that army indestructible. But if it's not God's plan for the nation to survive, then it will survive. All right, two personal lessons. Number one, the God who has mapped out the future can handle the present. Now, if God's mapped out the future... And he laid this future out, and Daniel saw it before it happened, and it's just unfolding like God planned it out. Let me tell you what, if he can map out the future, he can take care of today. I've either lost y'all along the way, or you're wondering what's on TV or something. I I just knew somebody would say amen to that. All right, number four. While life may appear to be a collage it is, in fact, the unfolding of a plan. Now, while life may appear to be a series of events that have no meaning, no significance, no purpose, it is, in fact, the unfolding of a plan. There is a theme that runs throughout history 
and a plan that's right on target. And that theme in that plan is that the Ancient of Days and His kingdom will reign forever. And that's it. And so whatever happens in your life, it makes no sense and you, don't have, you can't put it together. It's like a puzzle. It won't come together. You just know that one of these days it's all going to fit in and the way the picture is going to come out when it's all finished is that the, that the ancient one and his kingdom will be the one surviving kingdom. I'm on the winning side, you see what I'm saying? And uh, the only problem with this is, is that we, you know, we, we live like defeated army when in fact we're on the winning side. Let's pray. Father, we pray tonight that you'll burn into our minds the message of the Bible that God's plan for man never alters and never changes and is never defeated. And help us to see today the Ancient of Days who judges kingdoms and nations. And that the kingdom, the church within the church, the kingdom within the kingdom is the kingdom of God. And that kingdom will survive. That kingdom will triumph, has dominion and is the ultimate end to the plan of God for the world. We thank you, Father, for saving us and placing us in your plan, your kingdom. We praise you for that in Jesus' name.